You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Josh Sentner. Josh is currently Head of Product and Delivery at PageUp. I'm really looking forward to discussing storytelling with you, Josh. Personally, storytelling is really important in my business, Middleton Executive. Our ability to effectively tell our story really determines whether customers trust us or not with their recruitment. Um, So, you know, really appreciate how important storytelling can be. One thing that I have noticed when recruiting product folk, I always get a long list of skills that people are looking for, you know, be it leadership, marketing, financial forecasting, etc. One thing that is rarely a prerequisite though is storytelling. So really mm. keen to get your thoughts on on the topic, but before we jump into that, I'll ask you to introduce yourself. Sure. Um so so um hi Jade, thanks for having me. Uh so as as Jay was saying, so I'm I'm head of product and delivery currently for PageUp. Um, majority of my career, I was actually in consulting, so in product and innovation consulting. So going in as a product manager and doing like short-term gigs or going in and doing strategy consulting and innovation consulting and design consulting and such, and lots of large-scale facilitation as well. So I'd be going in and being the person to go in and essentially help them tell their story over a very short period of time. Uh, I've also tried and dabbled in doing my own startups as well, again, where storytelling can be extremely important. Um, Particularly for me, I, I was doing a startup without any funding, and so I was w- looking to bring on people to join my team for essentially sweat equity. And I ended up building building a pretty. I had six people at one point, um, all of them on board for sweat equity. People that I'd met uh, through professional or outside of work, who I thought would be great to bring on the team with me, and I needed on board. And again, storytelling there plays a really significant role in bringing people on the journey with you and having them buy into that vision and essentially invest their time and, and their efforts in with you. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much my background. Perfect. So given your background is so diverse, you've worked in your own early stage startups, you've worked um, with Elaborate, Car Sales, Zero, NAB, to name a few. So you've really seen the landscape of startup scale up and enterprise. So you've mm. been around the, the block a little bit and um, would yes. be able to tell, you know, what, what good storytelling looks like. What is storytelling in product? Yeah, so, so for me, storytelling in product, uh, depending on the industry, depending on the organization you're in, it's going to serve different purposes. So, and depending on where you work in the organization as a product manager, I, ideal state is you're working in an organization where you're building and launching products out to customers. And so storytelling plays a significant role in bringing those customers on board. Uh, but it also plays a very, very large role in sort of bringing your team on board the journey with you and bring the wider organization as well. Uh, and depending where you're at in the organization, so if, if, for example, in my role now, it's also bringing your investors on board as well. So getting them to come on board with you and getting them to ideally invest additional capital to help make your vision become a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Primarily, I think no matter where you're at, no matter what industry, bringing a team on board and bringing them on board with the vision, mm-hmm. irrespective whether you're working on front-end facing applications or if you're working in back-end services in a very large corporate, storytelling to help bring the team on board with you is going to be something that will be your bread and butter as a product manager. It's something that you, you need to be extremely good at to be successful. Um, one of the first things you brought up was why do we not see storytelling as, as a requirement? And as you said that, it occurred to me that I've never, I've never put it as a requirement either. I've never put <laughs> it as a requirement. When I speak to people, I, I, I want to understand their skills and um, sort of get an idea of how they go about uh, bringing a team on board, bringing stakeholders on board, bringing sales on board to then selling the product and how they can, how they can teach sales. But I would only talk to that in the interview itself. Mm. So I'm now thinking in hindsight, I might need to go change the, the <laughs> I, put out I think um, it's um, interesting that that storytelling in the recruitment process, obviously, you know, I've interviewed thousands of product managers and um, when I'm talking to them, instantly you just know when you're talking to that great product person that really stands out. Yeah. It doesn't matter what product they're working on, doesn't matter what company it is, but they've really engaged me emotionally and I feel an emotional connection to their story and that's when I started to think about storytelling was just by listening to different product managers and maybe it's the level of experience or just their ability to tell stories you think yeah you've really captured me and then I can pretty much gauge how they're going to go throughout the recruitment process when they meet our clients yeah yeah I mean for me it's uh it's a it's a go no go kind of decision for me Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll know, I'll know if they can tell a good story in the, and they, they can tell a good story about what they've achieved in the past. If they can bring me on that journey. Yes. Uh, if they can bring me on, then that, then that's the p- person that I'll be looking to progress. If they can't tell a good story, that that's it for me. That's not, that's not going to cut it. That's what I need. Essentially. Mm, yeah. Okay. And do you think storytelling in product is important for how product folk engage with different departments, be it software engineering, the developers, and, and being able to bring them on the journey? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I'm, I'm actually working on it right now for PageUp, working on delivering the, the strategy to the organization again. And I've got varying levels of that strategy and varying forms of it to deliver to the various parts of the organization. And, and my, my intention is that every single person within the organization is the audience for the story, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a development perspective, they need to have that alignment about what they're building, why they're building, how it fits in, how their individual efforts day-to-day are going to work. Mm-hmm. And from a sales perspective, um, I always refer to um, the product manager as the Uber salesman. Mm-hmm. Right? They need to be the person going in there and like they should be able to I should be able to ask any one of the product managers to go out on a sales call with a salesperson and help them land that deal and be successful in it, right? Okay, and they should be part of the storytelling is, is telling the story so well that you pump up the salespeople to be so excited behind that product that they have the confidence to then go out and be that, that big chested salesperson as they walk out there into the floor with their customers, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, one of the most difficult jobs that there are. You mm-hmm. want to always ensure that they have that confidence when they go out there. And your, your job as a product manager is to give them that confidence with the right story. Absolutely. And that's interesting. I've never actually heard anyone reference a, a product person with those sales skills before. But when you put it like that, it makes perfect sense. You know, I think um, yeah. Simon Sinek said, people don't buy products, they buy stories. 
Um, so it makes sense that yeah. you tie it into that sales element. It's the one thing I, I push a lot when I speak to people is like, how have you worked with sales team in the past? What, like the question is, is I'm, I'm removing, showing, showing behind the kimono here, but I always ask people is that like, how do you do sales enablement? What's your, what's your approach to sales enablement? Because I want to understand like, yeah. how they go about doing that. Yeah. And is, is that something that um, would typically trip people up? Because um, that's nothing that yes. I, have, I haven't asked that question in interviews before, so I think I'm going to steal that off you. Um, yeah, yeah, 100% it does. Because um, a, a lot of people haven't, haven't ever, a lot of people actually don't get a chance to do it, to tell you the truth, mm. and, and which is fine. Um, and I'm, I'm not the type of person to say, oh, if you haven't had experience in something, then, then, then you're not able to do this role. Mm-hmm. Then it's okay. Well, if you did have the opportunity to do this, what would you do? How would you go about it? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more than fine. Someone saying, "Well, in theory, I would take this approach, and this is how I do it," and that can be a perfectly good answer, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, how how do you tell a good story? Are there any fundamentals? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for me, um, the core is like the core components of the story, essentially. So, starting off with. Uh, laying the groundwork of like the, the background of where the story began and you're essentially doing the setup for the story. What is the, who is the victim of the story? What is the conflict or challenge that they're facing? And so you're doing that whole build up. Um, so there's uh, Andrew Stenton, who's one of the, the authors for Pixar, one of the writers for Pixar mm-hmm. movies. Um, he's got a great TED talk if anyone wants to check that one out, uh, where he talks about two plus, give the audience two plus two and let them come to the conclusion of four. And so whenever I'm putting the story together, really, really nailing that two plus two. You want, you want your audience to come to the conclusion before you've even told it to them of what your product is going to do for them, what the strategy is going to be depending on your context, so mm-hmm. that when you finally then deliver the answer, so you go through your setup, your victim, your challenge, and then you introduce mm-hmm. the hero, which could be uh, the, the product development team, the organization as a whole, and then the solution, essentially the product, mm-hmm. they're already there. And you're telling them that this is the product or this is the strategy. This is what we're going to do. This is how going to work for you. They're like, yeah, I realized that already. I'm already on the journey. I've already come to that conclusion. And then the punchline of all of this from a product perspective is what does the future look like once they have this, mm. right? So if the product is the solution, the punchline is what does that future look like once they have that solution? And from an internal perspective, it could be the strategy of like, we are going to build this. And then the punchline is again, once we've built it, this is what the future will look like for us and for our customers. Okay. So so that's, then, that for me is the core. Yeah. Okay. So laying the, the foundation and the build up, is that really articulating and selling the why behind the product and, and what you're trying to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like we've been facing these types of problems in the, in the market or you've been facing these types of problems as, mm-hmm. as a customer that your current solutions or your current alternatives available are just not cutting it. They're not serving for you. You've got all these pain points as a result. Um, and so these are things that are causing a lot of pain for you and causing a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. And this, the solution to that is we, we're going to solve this for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, the hero, I, um, I've heard two guests, two camps on, on the hero in the story. Is it the product team and the solution or should the hero be the customer so that by buying it, you know, they get that endorphin hit that, yeah, they're the hero. Do you, do you have a view on, on who the hero is? Yeah, uh, depends on context. Yeah. Like it depends on the context, right? So, so if I was talking internally to an internal team, then the hero is them. 
right? Mm-hmm. They're the hero of the story. If you're talking externally to the customer, then yeah, the hero can be the customer or it can be the organization. But I wouldn't refer to like my product team as being the hero to the customer. Yeah. Right? Okay. I'd say like we as this organization is going to be, is the, is the hero, the knight in shining armor giving you the solution essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and look, I think uh, whenever you're presenting, it's, it's adjusting the story to suit the audience. You have to always adjust to suit the audience. The audience. And that, uh, yeah, you've uh, sort of preempted my next question. You know, as the audience, what happens to the, to the audience when, you know, they're on the receiving end of a really good story? Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, what, one of the big things about this is there's this uh, neuroscientist, Paul Zach. I think he looked into this and he basically said that uh, he discovered that uh, different chemicals in the brain get released as you tell a story. So mm-hmm. as you've got the rising action, um, you get like the, the dopamine buildup. And, and then if there is that, that emotional connection to the victim, as you get through to the rising action, there's that release of oxytocin, especially if there's a happy ending and an emotional connection to that, you really mm-hmm. get that massive oxytocin boost at the end. Now, what's interesting about, um, oxytocin and dopamine is oxytocin makes you more open and uh, uh, more accepting of what the message that you're receiving and more likely to be receptive to the message that you're hearing from someone. So people are going to be more trusting. They're going to be more generous um, from a sales perspective. You're potentially going to get better pricing and better negotiation tactics involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. And then with the dopamine hit, this is where people are likely to pay more attention and they're going to have better ability to remember what you told them, especially better ability to then recall what you told them. Now, if you're thinking from a product perspective, if you're doing um, a pitch externally to a customer, and let's say mm-hmm. let's say this customer is choosing between multiple options, they have that um, oxytocin being open to your message, having that mm-hmm. generosity to your message, and then that dopamine to remember and recall your message when they're making their decisions later on. They're going to be in a much better position. From an internal perspective, when you're telling a strategy to your internal teams, that's where it becomes really important from, uh, say, from the, the development team, being able mm-hmm. to remember and recall the strategy and incorporate it into their thinking. And really, like, you're not going to be telling the strategy to the team every week. You know, there might be, you know, a month or more in between, you know, reiterating the strategy at another point in time. So mm-hmm. for them, they really need to have that um, full recollection of what the strategy is so they can incorporate into their decision-making and also incorporate into their motivation behind doing what they do as they go yeah. through day-to-day development. Uh, from a sales perspective, it's obvious. They want to remember the whole message. They want to be able to tell that story to their customers. And you want to, when you tell that good story, be able to enable them to tell that story onwards to um, whoever they're going to be talking to. Absolutely. And I think when you're, you know, talking to whether it be your stakeholders who might not be coming from a, a technical background or your customer, you know, they won't necessarily remember all the facts and, and details. So if you're overwhelming them with, you know, all the different features and the price points, you know, they won't remember all of that. But people do walk away remembering mm. a story and, and the gist of actually, I really want that or I don't want that. Yeah. And most of all, they'll remember how they felt. Yes. Yes. Right? And people know, people know, people will feel like when they're being sold at, mm-hmm. as opposed to being sold with, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Um, they'll remember that feeling. They'll remember that emotional connection. They'll remember yeah. like that, that salesperson that spoke to you, that, that product manager who spoke to me, whoever is the person who's telling that story. And I kind of like intertwine them together because it's kind of, it is connected. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to really be able to relate to that and feel that emotional connection to that person. 
Definitely. I read um I read something the other the other day that um that said something along the lines of we're we're in a moment in time where now more than ever everyone is open to buying something. We want to buy, we want to spend, and um, we want to consume, but at the same time no one wants to be sold to. So it's it's yes. you know, it's that storytelling and how you make people feel will ultimately determine whether they are buying or not your your product. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting thing about it as well is that people often rush straight to the solution, right? They'll rush straight yeah. to the, this is what I'm doing for you. This is what the product is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to be, they're going if to, if you do that, they're going to feel sold to. So what you need to do is you need to start with that beginning that set up the challenge, uh, um, the victim, and really build that empathy and that understanding. So, but again, if you don't nail that setup, they're not even going to be interested in the product in, 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 in the end either way. So really the most important thing to, to essentially sell either internally or externally is, is the, the setup, the victim and the challenge. Mm, if you can nail that, everything else you do afterwards is going to be easier. And if you can't nail it, it won't matter how good the next half is. Absolutely. So with all that, you know, you're talking about psychology, human behavior, and all these um, aspects that you think, oh, where does that come into technology? Do you have um, an opinion on, you know, the best storytellers, the, the exceptional product managers, the background that they may enter product? Is it more that commercial background or tech background, be it from an engineering background? Um, that's a really good question. So, so for me, like, and again, let, let, let's, let, if we put the scope around this as being software-based product managers, yeah. right? right? As, opposed to, as opposed to product managers in other spaces. So if the scope is software-based pro- product managers, um, they need to have the technical understanding. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to go toe-to-toe with the with uh, architect or a tech leader or a solution designer. Mm-hmm. So whatever pathway they take, they must be able to build up that level of capability to be a really successful product manager. Uh, in terms of where that background comes from, I think today if I were to, because I, I didn't do computer science in school, I did, I did commerce, okay. but then I, I'm self-taught. I'm a self-taught coder. No, 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 um, no good developer would ever let me near a computer, but, <laughs> but I, can, I can code. The, the startup I mentioned, I, I actually built... I actually built that app initially. I built it myself. But any 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 um, good developer would look at it and say, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen." In the in the back, like customers were like, "This is great," but any developer looking at the back end was like, "Oh my god, you're an insane person." <laughs> but um, but in any case, that's given me the the enough technical knowledge to be able to hold a conversation and and be a productive product manager. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, if I were doing my time again, I'd say, you know, having a computer science background is important. Uh, then mm-hmm. having a business systems background as well mm-hmm. and potentially an arts background. Yeah. Like, yeah. like arts, computer science, I think would be a great mix for someone, um, especially as, uh, as things move forward technology-wise, having, mm-hmm. having both of those backgrounds. I think the level of uh, commercial knowledge needed from an, um, say, you know, I did commerce. A lot of the subjects was like accounting, economics, um, marketing management, you know, some of that stuff, a lot of it, it's kind of, I don't know if it's harsh to say this, if anyone's listening who has that background, a lot of it's common sense. (laughs) Yeah. 
right? I don't feel I learned very much in it. So um, if I saw someone, I, I would pay attention to someone having a computer science background. I would pay attention to someone having an arts or psychology background. Mm. Arts or psychology would really stand out for me um, as, as something that I'd be like, okay, I, really, I want to talk to this person. I want to understand their perspective. Yeah. Um, if I can find someone with an arts and psychology background who can then talk to me about um, both design and experience and technical uh, and architecture at the same time, that's someone I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to. Interesting, because there's a real um, tension in the market at the moment when recruiting product folk. You have, you know, probably more your early stage startups that are really focused on ex-developers coming into product and um, and they bring a lot of strengths to that, but perhaps not so much the commercial acumen or, you know, the art side of things that you talk about. But then you have people that come from that design and arts and, and potentially commerce background that are struggling to get into some of those software companies because they don't have that experience. And, and though, you know, they may be self-taught devs or they might be able to have a, a, you know, a good conversation, but they can't cut code all day long. So it's interesting to, sure. to get different perspectives on, um, on sort of, yeah, that, that background of what people could yeah. be looking at. Yeah, look, I, I think when it comes down to it, if I was going to choose, if I was going to choose the one thing that matters the most to me, it is mm-hmm. that it is that commercial knowledge, and it is the story, the ability to do the storytelling and do the sales enablement and and work with um, our customers mm-hmm. would be number one for me. And be that leader, they need yeah. to have those leadership skills because mm-hmm. they are like. If I was choosing between those, that is the most important because they can rely on the technical people in the organization to run that part of the product, right? Mm-hmm. They won't be as effective as, as opposed to having both, but I understand that that might be unrealistic to always expect people to have both. And then I guess um, you, have to have an, you have to have some sort of natural affinity to it as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's, that's probably not what everyone wants to hear. <laughs> um, and look, I, I think you can learn it, but you need to work hard at it. You need to mm-hmm. work really hard and you need to put yourself out of your comfort zone a lot, right? Um, yeah especially when it comes to like part of storytelling is leadership. Part of storytelling is, is getting up and telling the story mm-hmm. and telling that story with confidence and with uh, skill and with, and being an engaging speaker. And, mm-hmm. and that's probably for me, I think is one of the, the most difficult skills. And it's and something that you would. So the question develop. is, how do you get that right? Exactly. And it's one of those things that, you know, when you start off in your career, you've got to learn it and you know you'll tell heaps of stories that are really average boring stories and you're not engaging people but as you you know you get more experienced and and some people are obviously naturally very good storytellers but it is something that can be worked on and and you know you can go to public speaking courses and 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 that type of thing do you think that's something that most product managers should invest in their own professional development would be you know public speaking 100% yeah, with, okay, with, that was a quick with, answer. <laughs> without question. Yeah, yeah, no, without question. You, you, you obviously, you knew what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so actually, uh, so when I, when I first started professionally as well, I remember mm-hmm. one of my first, because uh, I, I love public speaking now. I love, okay. I love getting and I love doing things like this or going out to meetups and conferences and such. Yep. But I remember my first stand-up. I was consulting at a, at a relatively small organization there was five people in the room. There were five other business analysts and that came around to me to give my update at standup. And I was nervous. Mm-hmm. I was nervous to give my update in front of five people. Yeah. You know, I wasn't 
I wasn't, uh, or I remember the first, the very first conference I went to was the International Institute of Business Analysts. I went to there to speak to, I created a, a, a terrible presentation, which I've never done since, called um, Structured Innovation <laughs> Process, um, which I spent ages preparing for. Mm-hmm. And I stopped in front of a very large crowd of 25 people. I went completely yeah. blank. I froze, yeah. right? Um, and and uh, like what felt like an eternity, eventually, it literally through my head, is like, oh my god, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pass out here. I'm gonna have to leave the room and not give this presentation that these people have paid for. Yeah. Um, but eventually, like, I, I got over. I managed to give the presentation. It was fine. But it's just an example that, like, it just takes a lot of practice, a lot of practice. And and we used to run at Elaborate. Um, we had a presentation skills uh, like meetup group. Mm-hmm. We meet up and we each pr- do like a Toastmasters thing and we criticize yes. each other and really nail each other and what we were doing wrong that we could then improve upon. If you're in, a pro- in the product management space, you need to be doing this kind of thing. Absolutely. And even, you know, in recruitment, which is essentially sales-based roles, and when I interview yeah. people in recruitment, they're like, oh, I hate sales and I don't like public speaking. I'm like, well, are you sure you're going into the right career path then? Yeah, right. Because yeah, exactly. a lot of it is um, it is that standing up. And we've all been there. I remember my first um, presentation at a meetup and, yeah, you know, shaking and oh, you're all over the place. But, uh, yeah, we've, mm. we've all had those experiences. So, yeah. look, clearly... Yeah. Storytelling is is really important across um, all areas of, of product. Would you say there's an area of product that it's you know absolutely essential that you've really nailed storytelling? You know, if it's looking to progress your career into you know more senior roles where you're you know you're responsible for the product yeah. strategy or the roadmap, and um, any sort of advice around that? Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on it before, but it, it it's integral, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't. You cannot progress to a senior product management role unless you can do this effectively, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it just it just can't be done. You need to be because you're the person that's going to get rolled out at at um, conferences, right? Mm-hmm. There's one thing where you're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm going to be a product manager, but I'm not going to present at conferences, right? Okay, that's fine, you know, but you're you're only going to get to a certain point because once you get to a certain level of seniority, the organization. You know, maybe you'll never apply to present at conferences or meetups. Great, you're never mm-hmm. going to get those. But then whatever company you work for is eventually going to pay for a speaking slot where they're going to want to send you mm-hmm. because you're the, you're the senior product manager or the head of product. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be an option for you to say, oh, we'll just send someone else, mm-hmm. right? Because you're the person that people want to hear from. So in that respect, it's, it's a non-negotiable to not only be able to tell that story in a good way and in an engaging way and, and craft a good story, mm-hmm. but you also need to be able to to physically present that story well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So because there are almost two components of storytelling. Because I think I think everything I spoke about, about putting the structure of the story together, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that can do that and craft it and write it well. Mm-hmm. The next after that is now you need to physically present that story well as yep. well, which is um, uh, just as important, if not more so, than the structure itself. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then the other irrespective organizational level I spoke about is, is team building. And, mm. and team engagement. So I was working, um, one, of, one of the things I did at NAB, um, I was, this is one of the consulting gigs I was doing, was working in microservices and APIs in the back end of the bank, right? Yeah. So the bank was working as, as uh, essentially as component teams. And mm-hmm. so that featured team had no, their, their um, customers were developers of the mobile app or the, or the website, mm-hmm. right? There's no customer-facing work that needed to be done. 
it was all just APIs and backend. When I was presenting to, to stakeholders or the, the executive about what was being built, I literally have like a solution design. And that was it. That's all I could present. Nonetheless, storytelling was integral mm. for motivating the teams, bringing them on the journey, bringing on our investors, such as the executives on the journey with us as well, um, mm-hmm. and then engaging the internal customers. So no matter where you are, that storytelling comes in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, being able to inspire internally or externally as well as motivating, you know, telling a story to bring people on that journey with you is is so important. I've speaking, spoken to a lot of stakeholders that say, you know, they may not be from the technical side of the business. So when they're overwhelmed with, you know, technical APIs, especially you're talking about at NAB, you know, they're like, oh, okay, let's, you know, take us on that journey, tell us the story as opposed to bombarding us with the features or the technical elements of the product. Yeah. If you can make APIs engaging and exciting, you're doing well. (laughs) Absolutely. So like having, you know, discussed storytelling and, and, and from everything you've said, it really does sound like, you know, storytelling is probably one of the most important skills for product manager. And it's definitely one of the skills that would differentiate good from, you know, the exceptional product folk. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think it's not discussed as much as perhaps it should be or perhaps it's overlooked in recruitment processes and 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 just, yeah, not actually really, yeah, let, let's nail storytelling and get our product folks on public speaking courses and, and, and the like. Yeah, I think um, I think potentially part of it is the is the maturity of the field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and where it grew out of, right? So if you think about it, um, when product management came on the scene, who were the types of people that were were converted, so to speak, to product managers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were business analysts, who were a lot of them were people who were developers who became business analysts. Their their role primarily was business requirements. Now saying now you're a product manager, potentially. Yeah. As opposed, it wasn't like product managers just came out of nowhere and it's like, oh, look, there's a product manager that didn't exist before, right? Yeah. Um, or, or there were project managers, yes. right? Who they were all focused on timelines and numbers, and uh, um, especially in the in the in the software world where we've established that that approach definitely does not work. Mm-hmm. They were there some definitely um, again it's probably harsh, but some of some of the most difficult product managers I've worked with are people who've just been converted from product management without any other training. They've just mm. changed the title and said, now you're a product manager yeah. and then also changed the remit. So, so I think if you think about product project manager or business analyst, storytelling generally didn't come into the remit of how yeah. they operate. Yeah. And essentially they kind of just combined the two together and said, well, what are the key skills of a business analyst? What are the key skills of a project manager? Yeah. Cool. Well, it's, you know, managing a portfolio, managing technical requirements, uh, leading teams definitely mm-hmm. came in there um, and uh, working with design even came in there. But storytelling would never have ever been associated with those types of roles. Mm. So I think part of like how, how I've created job descriptions in the past mm-hmm. is using other job descriptions that already existed and then yeah. tweaking them. So I would have... And like I said, I've never, like I just said to you now at the beginning, storytelling is the most important thing, but I've never, ever included it in the job description. Not, not that I can recall anyway, in all yeah. honesty. Um, and that's, yeah, it's an oversight for sure. And, and look, even from my side, I'm asked every day by, by product managers, you know, 
how can I upskill? What what are you seeing in demand? And you know, the last twelve months, every company is asking for data driven this and data driven that. And um, you know, I've been advising people to go and look at data courses, but I myself have never actually said go and do a public speaking course or improve your storytelling skills. So um, that's a big takeout from this as well for me. Yes, well, and and in truth, when I because because I work with my team both at Elaborate and now at PageUp as well, uh, mm-hmm. the very first thing I've worked with the majority of my team members in, in both in both roles is pushing them to develop talks that they can present both internally and externally yeah. right, as the number one thing. So, so I have done that personally with my team members mm-hmm. um, and, and literally number one, number one, because it's, uh, it has so much benefit for doing that. One is it's building up, you must build up expertise in a specific space mm-hmm. to be able to be confident to speak to it publicly uh, and then it also builds up your own confidence to then just do general public speaking and general, uh, for lack of a term, leadership speaking, mm-hmm. where you're going to be speaking in front of the team and, and leading and motivating a team because you want to be talking in a way that motivates people. Absolutely. And I think a lot of, um, you know, regardless of whether you're product or dev or BA, you know, those people that invest in their own professional development consistently and continually will will always go on to to do you know really well and um yep. and pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and you know most people i think you're an exception josh don't really love standing up and talking in front of crowds i think most people get a bit nervous but again if you can push through that that's how you start to be seen as you know somebody that knows their stuff and it's worthwhile listening to ultimately yeah well i i would say just to push on that is like you won't know that you love it until you do it a bunch of times and get past the nervousness. Yeah. I remember the, the first few times I spoke to that one, that IIBA one that was, yeah. I think that was eight years ago. I remember walking to the center and like, why, why am I doing this? I'm such an idiot. This is the, <laughs> this is the worst thing. Why would I put myself through this pain? Yeah. Um, but again, you just got to keep, once you push through it, you can start to like, like going on a roller coaster. I'm sure yeah. the first person, time you go on a roller coaster, you're like, oh, why did I do this? This is too scary. <laughs> Yeah. But then you know, a couple of times later, you're like, I want to go again. This is so much fun. Yeah. But again, fair enough. Not everyone is going to get to the, this is a fun part, but um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like myself that yeah. once you get over the nervousness, it becomes fun. Yeah, absolutely. So like, you've um, had such a diverse and, and varied background. What would you say has been your greatest professional achievement to date? Greatest professional achievement. I think um, working on the startup for me was mm-hmm. probably probably one of the most significant things for me. Uh, it's one thing, I, I guess, as a piece of advice people have asked me about before, I was like, what can I do uh, mm-hmm. to progress as a product manager? I've had a lot of, after a lot of meetups, I got a lot of people who are, say, grads or people coming from, from left field who've never done it before, is just pick, pick some kind of business to run and make it happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. really like hours and hours and hours of building something up, but seeing it, seeing your product get built. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my case, it was me building it and then actually selling it as well, but actually seeing it in customers' hands and seeing people use it. Yeah. That, that for me was probably the biggest achievement. And the, and the thing I worked hardest for, I, I never worked harder for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's every, everything else, everything else has been a lot easier. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's uh, that's so true. I um, I remember when I uh, set, set up Middleton Executive three and a half years ago and I had some um, family members and friends say, oh, it must be awesome setting up your own business. You know, you can work less hours and do your own thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I have never worked more hours in my life than I have worked in the last yeah. three and a half years. You know, I haven't um, taken a holiday. You, uh, you know, you work weekends. Even when I've gone away at Christmas, you know, you're still working when you're away and you're still dealing with yep. business issues. So there's never actually that off point. So I completely agree with you. It is the hardest thing you will do, but seeing it um, be successful and, and, you know, people buying off you is, is pretty rewarding. Yeah. I actually have a funny story from it as well. Um, of, of like how hard it actually got. Uh, my son, um, my first son was born in uh, I just finished, I'd finished a contract at one organization. This, I was elaborated this time. This was um, about four and a half, five years ago, four mm-hmm. and a half years ago. And I finished a contract um, with elaborate and went straight onto paternity leave. As soon as I finished the contract, that was, that was mm-hmm. the end of the contract. My t- paternity leave was three weeks um, that headed up into the, I think it was the middle of December. Mm-hmm. And Elaborate called me up and said, look, we've, we've found a role for you. Um, it's, with, it's with NAB. It was the NAB microservices role in this yeah. instance. Uh, and, but you need to interview, it, interview for it in a, in a week's time. And at this time, uh, I also at the same time managed to land a big presentation to a CEO of a very large organization for my startup. Okay. At the same time. And on the same day, for that matter. <laughs> Now, what happened was a day before one of one of my team members for the startup uh, said, "Look, Josh, um, we've actually gotten a whole of a whole lot of the data for this company. That my my app was enabling mapping mapping locations around around Australia. There's a whole bunch, a lot of detail to it, which I won't go into it. Nonetheless, we can. I reckon we can load all of this data in and do an amazing presentation. It was totally right. It would have, it would have killed the presentation, killed it in the presentation if we got the data in. Mm-hmm. Anyway." I looked at him like, okay, this is probably going to take me about, about six hours to do. And he'd send me the information at, uh, it would have been about five o'clock in the afternoon the day before. And I've got now six hours of work to do this. And I now also have a newborn baby who's not sleeping throughout the night. Oh, geez. So I ended up, uh, the presentation, the interview with NAB was at 12 o'clock. The presentation was at 10 o'clock. And <laughs> the baby was up from... The entire night. So I, I had, I had baby on my arm, bouncing him in one knee. Had the laptop in front of me, typing out this code to load in all of this data, yeah. and managed to get all that data in. Got all of that working. Got the baby to sleep at about um, nine a.m. Okay. <laughs> time for the meeting. <laughs> now I haven't slept the entire night, pretty much. Oh. And meeting with the CEO went great. I managed to like have the adrenaline to power me through it, and then I got into the interview with Nab. And I spoke to them afterwards. They said it was the funniest interview they had ever done, <laughs> right? Because they would ask me a question and uh, I, they said I would, then, I would then repeat this question back to them in slow motion, <laughs> pause, and then slowly answer the question. At one point during the interview, and this is true, and I've told them about this since, because uh, they did end up hiring me. They said, your, your answers were great. They were just in slow motion, which was very odd. And so at one point during the interview, I literally said, oh, my laptop's running out of power. It wasn't. I need to plug it in. It's already plugged in. I climbed under the desk. I told them I had to get a charger from around the next hour. I climbed under the desk mid-interview, had a two-minute nap, 
got back up again and said, okay, let's continue. <laughs> so there you go. Like, like doing a startup with having a newborn as well at the same time was just a bit, a bit crazy. That must have been, yeah, phenomenal. Just to actually get the job after having a nap. Yes. No, I was like, uh, I called a lab and I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting this job. There's no way they're hiring me. I came across this in that case. And the, um, the presentation to the CEO and, and that all went really well? Yeah, no, it went, went great. It went great. It, it worked out really well. Um, yeah, I'm still in touch with the guys over there as well. So, you know, like... You know, adrenaline is a powerful drug. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And trying to get some work-life balance is that uh, elusive goal for, for everyone that I think has been in that startup space. Yeah. Josh, it's been amazing talking with you today. Thank you for sharing your insights and experience with us. How can we stay connected with you going forward? Yeah, sure. Um, so my LinkedIn is Josh Sentner. That's, that's the platform I'm on the most. Um, I have to admit my Twitter is slightly slightly inactive. <laughs> so probably not worthwhile on there, but yeah, jump, jump on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always happy to chat. I'm always happy to, to share my knowledge of what I can with people. Um, so yeah, please get in touch. Fantastic. We will add your LinkedIn profile to our show notes. And then lastly, before I let you go, what would be your one piece of advice for aspiring product managers? I guess from, from all of this, definitely, uh, put yourself out there, uh, get in front, um, get in front of meetups, get presenting, practice, practice yourself, practice with friends, uh, make yourself uncomfortable. I love it. I think pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and, um, yeah, nailing the art of storytelling is, uh, is what I'm going to be telling everyone to do going forward. Thank you for listening to the product edge brought to you by Middleton executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.